Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 5 Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by the five colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learnt that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defence, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son, just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son, does not honour the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming, and has now come, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, 
and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who will testify in my favour, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me himself has testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes only from God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? John has exploded this extraordinary man, Jesus, into our consciousness. He has shown Jesus to be Lamb of God to have power to perform mind-bending miracles, to be the one around whom all nations should form, to be the one who is above all. But for many of John's early readers, there would have been a problem with this. As any good Jewish boy would know, there is only one who is above all, and his name is Yahweh. John tackles that problem here. He doesn't provide a doctrine of the Trinity, but rather quotes Jesus' own words about how he relates to the Father and, crucially, what the Father has given him to do in the world. 
By the way, this is a pretty cool example of how we can advocate for Jesus. Just quote his words and talk about what he's doing in the world. So John shows the father has given Jesus a commodity to trade in. The commodity is real, unadulterated, soul-shaking life. But Jesus doesn't sell it and he doesn't just distribute it willy-nilly. He bestows it on certain people and it gives him great pleasure to do so. This is an incredible image of Jesus, a bit like a company rep who's sent onto the streets to hand out free goods to build a good reputation for the company. Except the company is the most prestigious you could ever find. The goods are so precious, no money could buy them. And the motive is genuine concern for the crowds rather than self-interested publicity. Jesus has been sent by his father not just to give some people a temporary, jolly boost, but to determine destinies. That is what all the talk of judgment is about. And the reason Jesus is so trusted a rep for the company is that he's utterly in tune with the father in every single way. He does exactly what the father asks him to do all the time. Now, we could take this truth to begin to theorise the technicalities of the Trinity. We could. But old man John instead, I think, wants us to ask the question, am I in tune with the Father like Jesus was? Are you? Now, there is something utterly unique about Jesus, but you and I could both become more like him than we are. That's what old man John is showing us. Jesus shows us what our life could be like if we choose to make it so. If I am reborn of the Spirit and ready to stop a while in Sychar, and if I make every effort to obtain the praise that comes from God rather than the praise of people, I could actually look a bit like Jesus. Because of the Spirit, you and I can now live a life in tune with the Father. We could become people whose every word is a word that God himself would have spoken. We could become people who do extraordinary things because our hands and mouths have become willing instruments of God's intentions. I'm hugely motivated by that idea. I hope you are too. Let's choose to increase our expectations of what it looks like to be born again of God. Here's a question for reflection. Why don't you stop right now and ask God what he wants you to do this next hour? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.